Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to Matthew chapter 7 and reading for our text verses 13 and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. I want with the Lord's help this evening to continue with our series on the way. And this evening, the narrow way. The narrow way. The words of our text, the straight gate, we are told very clearly in John, John chapter 10, that the Lord... Jesus is the door. I am the door. He is that straight gate. He is also, as set forth in John 14, the way. I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The wide gate is that of sin. It is the way that natural nature takes. Fallen nature It is a pleasing way to sin. It is the easy way. It is a way that allows whatever man wants to put in that way. It has no restraint, but it leads to destruction. Peter says in his epistle, If the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Those that are very clearly ungodly, that will have nothing to do with the things of God, the things of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is very evident, very clear, which road that they are on. That it will lead to destruction, it is on the high road to hell, that there is no hope for them in continuing in that way. But we are also warned that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And our Lord Jesus Christ as well, later on in this uh, same chapter, in verse uh, 21, he warns, Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which in heaven. And so he pictures there will be those that professedly believe in him that do say that he is Lord. He says in verse 22, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And so as judgment shall begin at the house of God, it behoves us that make a profession in the name of the Lord 
to look at these two ways and especially to examine whether we are found in that narrow way that leadeth unto life. And is that way I desire to set before you and uh, before me this evening and may the Lord bear witness to his word. The narrow way is indeed described by our Lord Jesus Christ himself. He is the one that makes it to be narrow, makes it to be within the confines that he has determined it should be and not the wide way that allows for anything and everything to be acceptable and to lead to heaven. So I want to, with the Lord's help, bring some ten points before you this evening of which the Lord himself, and I've tried to confine these points to what our Lord Jesus Christ himself has said. We could, of course, go right through the scriptures in the teachings of the apostles and in the Acts of the Apostles, and we could bring forth many other very clear points. And, of course, all the word of God from Genesis to Revelation is the word of the Lord. But I specifically want to think of the words of our Lord Jesus Christ because of those that will give lip service to him, that would say they do believe in the Lord. But our Lord would say to them, if ye call me Lord, Lord, why do not ye the things that I say? So the first way that the Lord makes that way narrow is that he is the way. Our Lord says that if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall perish in your sins. Our Lord is very, very clear that he, in John chapter 3 and verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned, that is God's Son, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, there are many that will believe, they'll say they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, but they also allow another way as well. And our Lord is very clear in John 8, verse 24, I said therefore unto you, that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. There are those that will allow and say, yes, Jesus is the way of salvation. We believe in him and we trust in him. But as soon as then you say he is the only way, there is no hope for those that believe in any other God, any other idol, any other God whatsoever, whatever name you call him. And for those who have never heard of Jesus, those who have never heard and been under the gospel, there is no hope 
for them outside of Christ. He is the only way of salvation. The Lord makes that that narrow and that is the way that is described in the word by the Lord himself. And I've had those that I've met with and spoke with and seem to be a complete one accord that the Lord Jesus Christ is the way until it is emphasised he is the only way, exclusive. There's no other way. And then the anger and, and the opposition that has come and it is all arisen because the way is made that narrow, the Lord only, Jesus only. That is the narrow way. And that is the way the Lord makes it so. The second way that our Lord clearly sets forth as the narrow way is those that follow him and follow him in his word. In John eight, John chapter 8 and verse 31, he is speaking to those Jews that believed on him. And he said to them, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Our Lord is insistent upon this, and he makes the word, the way, narrow, as narrow as that which is narrowed by the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is continuing in that word. So if some says, well, I think that this can be allowed and this is all right and we can do this and we can do that. If it is not according to the word of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is not in the way that leadeth unto life. It is not the narrow way. It is the broad way that is allowing all of these other things and other uh, ways that are not set forth by the Lord. The third way is that it is narrowed to those that are converted or born again. In John chapter 3, the Lord was speaking to Nicodemus who came to him by night and he insisted to him that he must be born again. He says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Verily I, verily I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He must be regenerated. He must have the spirit's work within him, converting him, changing him, and so we have with in, in Matthew uh, chapter 18 as well our Lord's insistence on conversion. In 18 verse 3 he said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, and he set a child in the midst of them, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. 
One of the great things of fallen man is his pride. And he refuses to back down from that pride. But when the Lord begins to work, when conversion takes place, that person becomes childlike, teachable, willing to be taught and to receive the word as a little child, not saying, I know better than the Lord Jesus. I know better than the word of God. I know better than the preachers. And setting forth oneself as God, really. But conversion is what the Lord absolutely insists upon. The narrow way, it's narrowed down to only those that are converted, that are born again, spiritually born again. They have spiritual eyes, spiritual ears, spiritual feelings. They have spiritual life. I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of mine hand. But fourthly, the Lord narrows it down uh, to those that repent. In the Gospel according to Luke and chapter 13, the Lord says in verse 3, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. There were those that were telling the Lord about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he said to them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans, because they suffered such things, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Our Lord Jesus Christ is exalted to give repentance and remission of sins unto Israel. Sin is defined in the word of God as the transgression of the word of God. There are many today, solemnly in the churches, who deny many things as being sin. The word of God especially marks out those sexual sins, the sins of the sodomy, homosexuality, <clears throat> those sort of sins. And uh, sets forth sin as something that is rebellious, evil, vile, contrary to the holy, pure word of God. It's not something that man defines, it's what God defines. And when sin entered into the world and death by sin, it is sin that the Lord Jesus Christ came to deal with. His name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And every one that is walking in this narrow way, we should know clearly what is sin, what is forbidden, what is evil, what God has called evil, and not walk away of calling good evil and evil good, which so many, even in the professed church today, do. But our Lord Jesus Christ insists there be repentance, a turn, a change, a change of direction, a change of life. And he is exalted to give that to his people. 
all that are continuing in sin, and we, we read that in the, the portion where our text is, where the Lord says, Depart from me, all ye that work iniquity. That is, that still walk in open iniquity, open sin, and yet they still profess the name of the Lord. So much solemnly a description of churches today. But it is the Lord that narrows that narrow way down to those that are repent. Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. But then in the fifth place, the Lord narrows it down to those that have a righteousness that is better than that of the Pharisees. Going back to Matthew chapter 5 and Verse 20, we read the Lord saying, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now that must be amazing words spoken to those of his day, because the scribes and the Pharisees in the eyes of the people were the most religious people. They were those that made long prayers, those that uh, made profession of how good they were in their tithes, their offerings. And for someone to say, well, uh, your righteousness, your good works, you've got to be better than them. But what our Lord was pointing at is the need of a righteousness that is not our own, but imputed to us, by the Lord Jesus Christ, trusting not in our works, not by deeds of righteousness which we have done, but by faith in Christ, trusting in his finished work. It won't lead to licentiousness, it won't lead to sinning, that grace might abound, but it will bring us to trust solely in what Christ has done, his shed blood, his offering for sin, his obedience even unto death, the death of the cross. The hymn writer says, In Christ's obedience clothe and wash me in his blood, so shall I lift my head with joy among the sons of God. And so it is a vital thing that we have a righteousness that is imputed to us and not our own. This was the thing that the Apostle Paul in Romans 10 was with a zeal for God but not according to knowledge, going about to establish their own righteousness and had not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. No trust in our own good works for heaven, but only a trust in the Lord. That is one of the ways that the Lord narrows the way and excludes so many, so many that will profess the name of the Lord and in the next breath they are speaking of what good works they've done. The church upholds it and sets it forth as something that is a title to heaven. It is not. And so may we be very clear on how narrow the Lord makes that way. We need Christ's righteousness, not our own. 
But then in the sixth place, we have our Lord narrowing it down to those that are drawn by the Father. In John chapter 6 and verse 44, we read our Lord saying this, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath learned and hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. An absolute insistence that to be in that narrow way, it is to be the work of God. This is the work of God that ye believe in him whom he has sent. And he's been drawn, attracted, attracted by the Father to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is how narrow the Lord makes it. This is not man's work, it's God's work. He will teach, he will instruct, he will guide in the way. And again, it will be according to the word of God, tested by the word of God. And the Lord makes this narrow, narrowness. And let's think of the context here in John 6. Our Lord is teaching, and we will come to, to this in a moment, the things that he is uh, teaching in, in the next point. But the Lord is teaching things that men are rising up against. How can this be? They can't understand his teaching. They're offended at his teaching. And the Lord then explains it. Really, the reason why you're offended at my teaching is you're not being drawn by the Father. You are just naturally understanding these things. You're trying to interpret them in a natural way and that's why you are offended at it. If you were drawn by the Father, you wouldn't be offended at my teaching. And now often it is the Lord making the way narrow that men don't like and rise up against and the Lord would say the reason why is because this is not my Father's work. You're not being drawn by the Father. You've got a natural religion. You've climbed over the wall some other way. You are not really in the narrow way. You're in the broad way. You're bringing along everything that you want to bring along and do everything what you want to do and will not be subjective to the word of God. And so then we come to the seventh point, which is also in this chapter. John 6 and verse 53, where our Lord is insisting on a spiritually eating of the Son of Man and drinking his blood. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. Even if we do not immediately understand what the Lord is saying, what we do understand, 
the Lord has this word, except he is narrowing the way to this what he is saying. This is absolutely vital. If this is not so, you have no life. You will not have eternal life. How do we understand that then? Some will say, well, that's just, you can just partake of the Lord's Supper once a week. And that's all that's spoken of here. But no, this is, man shall not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. This is Christ's sufferings, his death. That which he has accomplished at Calvary is the life of his people, their hope, their meditation, their thoughts, their prayers, their affections are all placed upon him and he clarifies it clearly later on and he says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And so there's a narrowing of this way to be a spiritual walker, one that is truly feeding upon Christ by faith. In the eighth place, the Lord narrows it to those who only serve one master. In Matthew chapter 6, our Lord says in verse uh, 24 he says no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other he cannot serve God and mammon and that truly narrows it down the things of this life are not that which we serve, but Christ and follow after him. How often these two things, they go together. In Hebrews 11, where we are told of faith and the evidence of faith, those that saw the promises afar off and they embraced them, and that they confess that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. There's the two sides. And it says then following on from that, they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. So on one side, there's a seeking heaven. On the other side, this world is like a wilderness. There's strangers and pilgrims in it. And with our Lord's teaching, if we are serving the Lord, then we are not serving this world. You can't serve them both. And this world lies in wickedness. The God of this world is Satan. The men of this world hate the word of God. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them. It's a direct opposite. God's people will not find the world to be a friend. The Apostle Paul says, The world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. In other words, the world does not want me and I do not want the world. As for me, says Joshua, and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
And with Samuel, uh, choose this day whom thou wilt serve, the coming upon Mount Carmel, Baal or the true God. Israel were always falling into this sin. They tried to worship the Lord and worship idols. Sometimes right on the back of each other, they'd turn from worshipping the Lord straight back to their idols. And we can do that, very easy do that. Make allowance for the things and ways of the flesh and put them alongside even the doctrines or teachings of the true faith. But the Lord says you can't. You cannot serve two masters. And the Lord makes that uh, to be the narrow way, the way that is just serving the Lord. Know ye not to whom ye obey, uh, to them ye are uh, the, the servants of whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of righteousness unto life. And so... Uh, we, we need to be very mindful of this in this eighth point that it is narrow to whom we serve and to serve only one master. Remember, in the original sin, we have our Lord saying, Thou shalt not eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And Satan coming along and saying, Hath God said? And Eve chose to obey Satan rather than to obey the Lord. And, and, and that choice, that way, is set before us as walking in the narrow way. We ought to obey God rather than men. That is what the disciples said when. Uh, the, the Jews had apprehended them and told them not to preach any more in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They said we ought to obey God rather than men. In the ninth place, the Lord narrows it down to those that take up their cross and follow Christ. In Matthew chapter 10, our Lord comes very searching, comes very close, comes right into our families. And from verse 34, we read this, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. But he that, and he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. And so he narrows it down to a taking up the cross. There is a cross of following the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul speaks of it in Hebrews of those that 
were suffered for righteousness' sake, persecuted for the sake of the Lord Jesus, and those that were persecuted when they became companions of them that were so used. And of course, we know the Apostle Paul persecuted the Church of God for no other reason that they were calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stephen was stoned because of his preaching that Jesus of Nazareth was the true Christ and Messiah. And the persecution, the terrible persecutions on the church of God, there has been through history a, a great cross to carry for those that believe. And you might say, well, we, we don't know it like in the first 300 years of the church, there was 10 very severe persecutions. Many, many were tortured, many were slain who believed it cost a lot to believe and to follow in the teaching and in the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. And today we are, we are used to, to not suffering. It may come to a time that, that we will and perhaps if we really stood for the truth uh, in a public way, then we would find much more what a cross it was to actually carry. But many of the Lord's dear people in their employments, in their homes, in their families, where the Lord has taken one in a family, where he's converted them, then he's put them at variance with the others of their family. And man, in a natural way, will say, well, you can believe what you want, we can believe what we want, but as soon as you say the way is narrow to be only Christ, only way, then there comes the cross and the persecution. And so our Lord is insistent on this being part of that narrow way that makes it a narrow way of taking up the cross. The last one that I would mention is that narrowed down to receive a faithful preacher of the word. Going on from where we just finished reading in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 40, we read, He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. And our Lord links together his people, his servants. When he sent forth his disciples to preach, he said that whosoever did not receive them, shake off the dust of that city from off your shoes and say unto them that the word of God is come nigh unto you. And there's a joining together those that are faithfully bring the word of God and the Lord. There'll be those that say, oh, we're not listening to you, we don't agree with you, we're going to follow the Lord. But where that preacher is truly setting forth the word of God, then really they are rejecting the Lord and they're not receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. Many will in that way say, well, we're not hurting the Lord, we're shooting them messenger in effect. And those of us that preach the word, we, we, we shouldn't be offended at the word as to make excuses for it 
and say, well, I can't help this. I've, I've only brought before you the narrowness of the way because that's how it's set forth in the word. But if it was up to me, I wouldn't make it so narrow. God forbid that we should do that. But those who are true servants, we're not offended at the word of God. We're pleased with it. We're thankful for it. We believe it is the word of God. It is the way of salvation. And it is through that way that we are saved. It is a solemn thing when there are those that would uh, seek to calm their consciences by just attacking those who bring the word of God instead of reading the word of God. When Paul preached to the, those at Berea, we read that they searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so, and therefore many of them believed. And it's good for us, and if there are those of you that listen tonight or hear the word tonight and find some of these things hard to take, then search the scriptures. Look up those scriptures and see what the Lord Jesus Christ actually is saying himself. And think, do I want to imagine a way that is a broader way? and think then that I'll get to heaven and deliberately deceive myself when the Lord is saying completely opposite? Or will I rather humble myself under the word of God and seek the salvation on God's terms, the terms of our Lord Jesus Christ? And while in the day of grace, know that we are in that narrow way that leadeth unto life, and not going in the broad way. Years ago, I had those that I met with to discuss the things of God. We couldn't agree. And one of them said, well, he says, just like this. He said, you're going up this side, the mountain, and I'm going up the other, and we'll meet at the top. And I said, you won't, you know. The way that you're going, you'll never, ever get to heaven is contrary to the word of God. But men like to think this, to allow all various uh, ideas or thoughts or ways when they're contrary to the word of God. Now, dear friends, if as we've looked at these things, we realise the Lord has blessed us, blessed us with the new birth, blessed us with a love to the word of the Lord, a willingness to be taught, a love to the Lord and his people. We know that we pass from death unto life because we love the brethren. Those that are walking in that narrow way, those that are fellow companions in that narrow way, they'll have that agreement that the way is what it is. They'll have fellowship one with another. They'll walk together. Whereas those in the broad way, they will have fellowship too. They, they will go along with those who allow anything, do anything, regardless of what the word of God says. And predominantly that which makes provision for the flesh, for provision for sin, provision that man can still have this world and love this world and the things of this world and still hope to have heaven at last. But the Lord's way is a narrow way and there's many, many other ways we could describe it and we may 
look at some of those, of course, under the, the series is the way, especially the holy way. It is the way of the Lord that he alone will bring his dear people. But what is on my spirit this evening is the narrow way and specifically how our Lord Jesus Christ himself narrows it down, brings it to within confines that show it to be what the world would say, yes, it is narrow, it is very restrictive, and it is. But in one way, it's such a blessing that the Lord tells us so clearly and sets before us so clearly what is the right way, the tokens and the evidences of it, and the passage that we uh, have read here together, by their fruit she shall know them. And may the Lord grant us that we bring forth fruit to his honour and his glory, and those things that he has said that mark out the way, we truly give assent to that this is the way, this is the way the Lord has set us in. This is the way that the Lord is leading us in. This is the way that I need grace and help and strength to walk in day by day. That we cannot walk it but by his grace, by his drawing, by his help, utterly dependent upon him. But what a difference there is between a person that wants to walk in that narrow way, feels so unable but needs grace and help to do so, than a person that says, no, that way is too narrow for me. I'd much rather make it a bit wider to, to allow this, to allow these other differing opinions, to allow these people to continue in sin and in abominations and to allow them to go against the word of God and to allow others to be accepted as to be saved and when they are not following the Lord Jesus Christ at all. What a difference it is when a poor soul says, I desire that narrow way. I desire to walk in the way of the Lord Jesus Christ, to know that way, to be kept in it, taught in it, and to gain heaven at last, walking in the way the Lord has set before me. Well, may the Lord bless this word and grant us to be found in that narrow way that leadeth unto life that few find. Amen.